0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Jennifer Hooper from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview. Thank you for the introduction, Dr. Pritt. Today, we will be discussing Mayo Clinic Laboratories new gynecological NGS panels with Dr. Sonic Gupta. Dr. Gupta, thank you so much for being here today. Before we get into the tests, could you provide our listeners with a little bit about yourself and your background, please?
1: Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. I presently serve as the vice chair of our oncology practice in the division of lab genetics and genomics, and uh, on a practical level, that means that I'm involved in signing out our molecular assays for our patients, and also I participate in the development of new molecular tests and implementing these uh, new tests, including the gynecologic next-generation sequencing or NGS panels that you just spoke of.
0: Great. I think that really kind of prompts you to be a perfect subject matter expert to really get into the details of these new assays. I know at Mayo Clinic Laboratories, it's just a new disease space that we're opening up into to really provide a more robust, comprehensive test menu for our clients and for our patients. So with that said, could you give a brief overview of the new assays coming out?
1: Certainly. You know, as we look at our next generation sequencing offerings, Most of our tests either involve single gene assays or on the other end of the spectrum, we have the MeoComplete solid tumor panel or, or MCSTP, which is our large cancer panel that covers over 500 genes. But currently this leaves a hole in our test menu with regards to certain disease states where we may want to just test for maybe a handful of genes. And a great example of that is uh, endometrial carcinoma, where we are currently moving into a molecular classification of these tumor types. So for instance, some of the genes that are really important in this new molecular classification include genes like POLY, or the p53 gene or genes associated with mismatch repair deficiency, we asked ourselves, what is the most cost effective way to get this information? And certainly we can do our large cancer panel, which is over 500 genes and would give us this information, but we wanted to take this one step further and make a very focused, cost-effective test for patients with gynecologic malignancies, including endometrial carcinoma. The reason this is important is that in the past, most of the classification was based on either a combination of morphology or immunohistochemistry. But now, as we are seeing, uh, we we may not have good immunohistochemistry-based surrogates, and so there are a large number of patients who need to be put into a certain molecular classification to understand response to therapy, to understand a prognosis. And we are unable to do this based on the tools that we have. And so next generation sequencing beca- becomes important. And as we develop these panels, it helps us deliver options that are much more patient centric and much more cost effective.
0: Yeah, I think you make a really good point there, especially that, you know, kind of the landscape is moving toward more molecular markers, those being kind of the pinpoint of the classification and it's no different in the gynecological space. Can you talk a little bit too about, I hear we have both an ovarian and a gynecologic panel that'll be coming out in the new subset of tests. Can you talk a little bit about
1: those? Certainly. So, as, as we went about developing our tests, we got a lot of feedback from our stakeholders, whether they were gynecologic surgeons, medical oncologists, or pathologists, and we made note of everybody's needs in terms of what types of genes should be included. So, a good example would be for ovarian cancer, for instance, it's very important to have DNA damage response genes alterations of these genes, for instance, of BRCA1, BRCA2, can uh, lead to eligibility for certain PARP inhibitors, which which have been approved for various indications. So we, we felt that having a panel that incorporates some of these biomarkers would be high value. Traditionally, we've tested endometrial carcinoma using immunohistochemistry for mismatch repair deficiency, for instance. And so we thought that if we include markers that can help us classify tumors in contemporary classification schemes using genes like POLY and P53, and also report out a microsatellite instability score, along with the genes that are likely responsible for that high MSI score that may lead to improved patient management. And so as we've gone about developing these panels, whether it's ovarian cancer or endometrial cancer, we've paid a particular attention to these uh, biomarkers that we've tried to include to the best of our ability.
0: There's a lot of really careful consideration when kind of putting together these disease-specific NGS panels together. And it really shows, especially the collaboration and communication that you have with the surgeons and the treating oncologists to ensure this is just a really nicely focused panel. So thanks for that background. Something I wanted to talk about, too, is about the patients that are impacted by this testing. Could you discuss a little bit about those patients that should have this testing?
1: if we look at endometrial carcinoma from a patient's perspective they would want to have information that helps them understand their prognosis and helps them understand which biomarkers make them eligible for different categories of treatments so we we've tried to include these types of genes to better classify their tumors And also in the past, there's certain alterations which we have not been able to pick up on. A good example would be uterine leiomyomas, which are associated with deficiency of the fumarate hydratase genes. In the past, we haven't been able to diagnose these because we did not have the appropriate tools at our disposal as pathologists. But now we are starting to develop very sophisticated immunohistochemistry-based tools. And once we identify these alterations, let's say of the fumarate hydratase genes, then we just give the pathologists a lot of options in terms of how they would want to follow up on those results, whether it's using a small panel of genes, whether it's using a single gene assay, or even a large cancer panel, or even germline testing options. I think what we've tried to do is to create a test menu that has multiple options, which could address the needs of both the pathologist as well as the medical oncologist who's managing the patient. This would allow us to provide personalized care for each patient.
0: Yeah, it really does make a lot of sense. You talked a little bit too about having individual genes. Can you speak to some of the individual genes that will be in the gynecological area? As I understand it, Pole E will be a single offering. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so the poly gene has received a lot of prominence because it's very important for classifying endometrial carcinoma. And unlike many of the other alterations where we have immunohistochemistry based surrogates, we really don't have any immunohistochemistry based surrogates for poly mutated tumors. We understand that if you have certain molecular alterations in this gene, you end up with a tumor that is hypermutant these tumors typically have a very high tumor mutation burden and are predicted to have better responses to immunotherapy if that is needed. And so it becomes important to identify alterations of this gene. And uh, we've heard a lot from our colleagues internally, as well as external clients asking us to develop both uh, single gene assays as well as endometrial carcinoma specific assays that includes this particular gene. And so one of the things that we do is we try to be receptive to the needs of our colleagues, both within the institution as well as outside the institution who may be sending in cases for molecular profiling. And so POLI is a really good example of how we've developed both a single gene assay as well as a panel that's endometrial carcinoma specific where this particular gene is included.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think this really does illustrate um, kind of the, again, the receptiveness to what is needed for the needs of the patient, because that is at the center of what our clients and our other hospital institutions that we work alongside are really looking to get to. So thanks for that. I really appreciate you providing your time today to be our subject matter expert. Is there anything else you would like to add that maybe we haven't touched on in this discussion?
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that I would uh, emphasize is that the base chemistry that we've used to develop these panels is something that we have the ability to modify in the future. And why that's important is, let's say, today it's poly, but let's say six months from now, if we start hearing feedback that we need to add some genes that are not included in these panels, then we would always have the ability to go back and modify these tests and make them more tailored to our patients. And the focus ultimately is to have the best test for each patient. And again, going back to the poly example, One scenario would be that an oncologist wants this particular piece of information, and they could certainly order a large cancer panel type test with over 500 genes that would get them this information, but it might be more expensive. And so we want to make the right test for the right context for each patient. And in this case, a single gene assay may also suffice and be a lot more cost-effective. We're trying to deliver on these personalized options for every single patient.
0: Yeah, I do think it bears repeating that there is a lot of forethought in looking at these as both individual genes and big panels to make sure that there are cost-effective options for all patients, whatever their needs are as it goes through a kind of their care continuum. So I appreciate that, that additional perspective. Thanks again, Dr. Gupta, for your time today. We really appreciate you breaking away from the lab for a little bit to have a conversation about these really important tests that we're really excited to provide to our patients. To learn more about the new gynecological panels by NGS at Mayo Clinic Laboratories and how to order for your institution, please visit mayocliniclabs.com.